What's up, everybody? Welcome to Stick to Football, episode number 40. And for the first time in a little while, we're back together. This is Matt Miller with my co-host, Connor Rogers. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say we're together. I'm stuck in Missouri. You're stuck in New York City. But uh, we're only two weeks away from the Senior Bowl, where we get to do a, a show together every day, Monday through Thursday. So that's going to be a blast. Uh Everything that we're going to talk about today, I feel like goes back to what happened last night. We're recording this Tuesday morning. Last night was the national championship game. We're definitely going to give you guys our thoughts about that. Uh, want to talk about where some of the top free agents where we think they could land. Want to give you guys some of the like rumors and, and news that we're hearing. And then we have two kick-ass guests for the show this week. Connor Williams, the offensive tackle from Texas, and Malik Jefferson, the linebacker. So, dude, we I feel like we have like a 10 minute intro of the rundown there. So let's let's jump into it. Dude, we got a long show. I mean, we got a lot going on. We got now it's going to be prospect season. We're going to have prospects for you guys every single week, week in and week out. A lot of times it sounds like we're going to have two. Right, Matt? I mean, that's we're going to have loaded shows and we got a mock draft for you next week. But we got a lot to talk about this week. Obviously, the national championship was Fantastic. I don't want to say a disappointing ending. How, how did you feel after that national championship? Honestly, I was so like hyped up that I couldn't go to sleep. Yeah, like, I, it was, you know, and I didn't I didn't care who won. You know, I'm a Texas fan. I just wanted yeah, a good same. game. And I I'd actually bet I put money on both teams just so I wouldn't care who won. You know, like I just wanted to enjoy the game. I like put some money on the spread for Georgia, some on the spread for Alabama. So like I was just having fun and, uh, you know, trying to watch some of the prospects. And then I think in like the the second half, I just became like a comedian on Twitter and stopped evaluating stuff. So I was I was very hyped up when the game ended. I loved that it went to overtime. Um, I, I and to see so many true freshmen on the field for Alabama, like I know our buddy Steven Nelson has been talking about Tua for a year or more, telling no us like, this kid's going to be great. This kid's going to be great. And, you know, like we don't like we watch a ton of college football, but we don't pay a lot of attention to, to underclassmen. And, and I I try hard to ignore them. So it's like, OK, OK. And then when you see Alabama out there last night with two freshman receivers, a freshman left tackle, freshman running back and a freshman quarterback just carving up Georgia, you're like, shit, Nick Saban has, uh, again, they are loaded. So I was, I thought the game lived up. I thought they actually exceeded expectations because at least on my Twitter timeline, people were so pissed off that it was an all SEC game and they thought it was going to be like a 9-6 like slugfest. And then the second half happened and it, it completely opened up. Yeah, well, Alabama simply put in a quarterback that could throw the football, and that changed the entire game because it it did seem like Georgia got a little away from what made them so great in that first half. I don't know if they just didn't trust Fromm to go win the game rather than to hold on to the lead. There's a gigantic difference. I felt like in that situation, you just keep feeding Sony Michelle, and for whatever reason, they didn't. Nick Chubb, you said it, Matt, as a prospect. What we do on this show is look at guys from their NFL projection level. Chubb is a guy that does not have the burst to get to the outside, especially against an NFL caliber defense like Alabama. And it just it showed last night. I think Sony is just a completely different back, and he was the better matchup in that spot. And I thought Georgia got away from what really got them there in the first place. But it was interesting to see so many underclassmen on the field, and you have so many people tweeting at you, what about this guy? What about this guy? And none of them are eligible, but we already know them so well because you simply yeah. can't miss them. I mean, 
Tua, we, we've known for a long time, has a great arm, and it was a guy that could come in and elevate the Alabama passing attack. But the question was, one, would they get away from a guy in, J- in Jalen Hurts who was, what, like 22-2 and two or something in his something previous Something insane. Yeah. And I know it's not all him. I g- totally get that. But it's still hard to get away from a quarterback when you're not losing football games. And I didn't think this would be a Nick Saban move. I tweeted before Georgia scored before the half, will they think about going to Tua here? Probably not. But they should, and they did, and it ended up being the difference in the game. I was doing the same thing. Like, all halftime, I was, like, sending out gifts of, like, yeah, hashtag put, Tua Tua in, time. put Tua in, you know. And it was, like, because it just, like, you and like Saban said last night, you had a quarterback who couldn't throw the ball, which I loved that he was just that frank about it. It was just like, they're like, why'd you make the change? Well, we couldn't throw the ball. Like, oh, shit, okay. It was yeah. simple. Yeah, it, it is very simple. So, but like you said, people were blowing, uh, I think, probably all like draft analysts up last night asking about players. And the the guy who the two guys who I think were the marquee draft prospects of the game, Roquan Smith, the linebacker for Georgia and Minka Fitzpatrick, the DB for Alabama. I thought they both had quiet games. They did. And I'm, I'm sure they were schemed away from. And but I think you saw their versatility. And if you. My plan today is to go back and watch the coaches film of it, the the like ESPN news broadcast. I saw so many times where Minka was like setting the edge and was he was just there to take away the outside run, which is tremendous versatility. And Roquan had some big hits. I mean, his open field tackle of Bo Scarborough, like one of the questions with Roquan is, okay, he's a little undersized. You know, he's like two, he's probably 230, 235. He's not very tall. When you can open field smack Bo Scarborough, though, it's like, okay, play strength is not a question for me. And he he's such a great tackler. Like, yeah, I mean, he's he's a thumper in that way that, that he's going to put people on their ass a couple times a game where you just kind of like catch your breath because he's so impactful. But they were, I thought, quiet. But Deron Payne, who is someone I've had ranked, I think, in my top 40 most of the year. And it's funny, I put out a big board article. Monday morning and people were like, you're way too high on Deron Payne. And he went off last night. He was unstoppable at defensive tackle. Oh, there's no doubt. And I, I've been saying when I watched over summer, I thought and into the season, I thought Deron Payne was the best interior D line in his class. And when I said that a couple of times, the reactions I got shocked me. People thought I was insane. And they so they go, you know, have you watched Maurice Hurst? Have you watched Christian Wilkins? I like those guys. But in terms of pro projection and what Deron Payne could be, he's one of the going to be one of the youngest prospects, I think, in this class. I think he's only 20 years old. He's a young defensive player and only getting stronger and could do so many different things for you. I think he has a very easy projection. I think when his motor's on, he is probably the best player in the trenches on the field at all times. So it was good to see him have his best game of the year when the spotlight was on. And I think he's a lock to go in the top 25. Guys like this, don't fall out of the first round in the NFL because the NFL likes players that they could project easily. And to me, Deron Payne is just a high-impact starter on the interior, and that is always going to be a highly demanded position at the next level. Yeah, I think you look at him and then guys like Vita Vea, Draymond Jones, like they're all, Maurice Hurst, they're all vying to be drafted probably in the 20s right now. Just, you know, they, there's not that standout that's going to be like a top 10 pick. But they're all really good and they all have, you know, like Hurst is just amazing effort and, you know, great against the run, high motor. Like 
but pain has i think the best just purely physical attributes and he is so good against the run so he absolutely stood out last night you kind of mentioned earlier the running backs for georgia uh, sonny michelle and nick chubb both seniors uh, they've both been invited to the senior bowl they haven't accepted yet we'll probably get news on that this week now that the season's over I would be it's shocked. A long if season. There. It's a long season yeah. for running backs, man. It really That's is. a lot of wear and tear. And then to go down to Mobile in two weeks. Yeah, and get hit for four days. Yep. So I'm not a Nick Chubb fan. And I, I mentioned that the big board article came out Monday morning. Folks were outraged that I don't have Nick Chubb in my top 10. And I, I don't want to overstate the importance of one game because I, I hate when people do that. And I tweeted this last night. Like the Alabama defense is NFL speed. Like that's as close as you're going to get to an NFL look in college. And Nick Chubb was shut down by them. He just doesn't have the speed to turn the corner to get outside. And he might have success in the NFL as an, an interior runner. You know, maybe maybe he can be a Frank Gore who can just carve up on the inside and has vision and balance and shake. I'm I'm very scared about him as an outside runner. And then you see what Sonny Michelle can do as an outside runner as a receiver. I know that Nick Chubb is the dude, you know, he's the one that the Georgia fans love and he has a great story. Michelle is the much better draft prospect, probably by a full round or more. It's not point. close. Yeah, it's not close to me. Um, it, he's exactly yeah. what the league wants. Outside speed, very good receiver. He can run between the tackles. He has enough size to be impactful there. And, and we're actually going to have a, a little video that comes out this week uh, talking about him and just what he kind of brings to the next level. There's a there's like a log jam at running back in this draft. Obviously, Saquon Barkley's special. I really like Darius Geis. And then there's this group of like Ronald Jones from USC, Damian Harris from Alabama, Carrion Johnson from Auburn, like Sonny Michelle, uh, Mark Walton from Miami, Rashad Penny. And there's like five or six running backs who could go anywhere between like 25 and 55. And I think they can all be NFL starters. Yeah, it's really interesting. This class is absolutely loaded again. It's kind of ridiculous at this point when you look at it. And going back to the Nick Chubb stance, my you know recent comparison for him or who he reminds me of in the most recent of years is James Conner, a guy that yeah. has runs with so much power. Uh, they obviously have the knee injury history, and I don't know if they really have the burst to get to the outside. I, obviously, they're both resilient guys. Connor on a different level coming back from cancer. But for on the field as prospects, I, Nick Chubb really reminds me of James Connor, although I don't even know if Nick Chubb goes in the third round. That's where Connor went. I think Nick yep. Chubb might go early fourth round. How are those medicals going to be? I mean, you That's love huge. the pl- you love the player. You love the you know the leadership, the captain, and all of those things, and that he can be the guy to wear and tear at the end of games. He's not the lead back kind of guy I'm looking for. Where is Sony Michelle is starting to show people that when given the chance, he is. He averaged over seven yards per carry this year. He's explosive. He's strong. He can pass protect. He can catch the football. He can do it all for you. And I think it's interesting now. I see a lot of people saying, why can't he go in the first round? Why can't he be the second best running back? I don't think people should forget what Darius Geis was like when he was healthy. Darius Geis was being, you know, there was questions if he was better than Saquon Barkley, and now he's trickling backwards. I'm not buying into that. I, I think Barkley's a special player. I think Geis is a very, very good running back prospect. Then it's Sony Michelle, Ronald Jones, and then a whole nother platform of different backs. But it, yeah. it's going to be very interesting to stack this group because it's so deep yet again. And I could tell you for a fact, and something we got to get into is insider buzz. The NFL thinks this class is just as deep, if not more deep, than last year's. 
Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And last year's was the deepest running back class maybe ever. And really the last two years plus this year, so three years in a row, have just been insane amounts of running back talent. Uh, it, it is going to be fun to watch. And, and one more note on Nick Chubb. Like, if people if people don't follow me on Twitter or don't like read everything I write, you might not know. But like, I'm not a huge like numbers guy. You know, when it comes to testing and things like that, I'm definitely not when it comes to stats. But you know, I'm more of like if I see it on the field, I'm good with it. Nick Chubb's forty time and three cone time are going to be fascinating to me because there I have that worry about speed on film. And so, like, that's where the combine is really important for me is, okay, I have this concern on tape. What is now what do you look like as an athlete? And I know he'll have a couple months to to get ready for it, and he'll, you know, shave some speed. But it, it is going to be interesting to see just how well he does test. And like you said, the medicals for him, and, and the same for Royce Freeman at Oregon, the medicals for these guys are just, you know, astronomical. It could be a JHI situation where like, he was a second-round talent who fell because there were concerns long-term about his knee. Nick Chubb is probably, like you said, a third or fourth round talent. If there's concerns about the long-term health of his knee, uh, he could bottom out real low. So it's, it's one of those things to watch. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about it so much more uh, as we, you know, it's, it's like, it feels like for us draft season's been going on since August and it's really just starting. So we have, you know, we have four more months uh, to talk about all this stuff. Yeah, and I thought it was really cool. One of our listeners, and I can never pronounce his name right, so I'm just going to say Dylan T, but he's actually going to Virginia Tech, I believe, next year to play football. But one of our listeners was saying, hey, real fans, go back and listen to the prospect previews from the summer. And it's really interesting when you go back and listen to those. We ripped off, I would say, eight to ten guys from every position group, and it's so funny to see how things play out and how they're stacking now. Uh, you know, down the line. And a lot of the guys that we did mention at the top stayed at the top. There's been some really impressive risers along the way. But I mean, listen, one thing we do want to get into, because we don't want to make the whole show about the national championship. And you can continue to send your questions about the players you saw in that game is that Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield are officially senior bowl bound. And we're going to be on site. Yeah, it's huge. Oh, but I'm, this is the most excited I've ever been for a senior bowl. Like, uh, Dan, uh, Dan, who's on the Friday show with us, and he he's helped us at the Senior Bowl for a long time now. We were talking about this, and I was like, you know, 2014, I, I was super excited because I I want to say that was like Aaron Donald and Derek Carr, and like that was a it was a really good Senior Bowl class, and and you know it was like okay, man, this is gonna be like this is gonna be fun. This year's gonna be crazy because of that. Like you said, now we have. Josh Allen's in. Uh, Chris Mortensen broke that news, stole it from me. Damn it! Was, <laughs> <laughs> you, you were uh, listen. I want to let everyone know. Matt was telling me like days leading up to that, like Allen's in, Allen's in, and I'm like sitting there, like man, maybe you should say it, but like I get you want to respect it, you know, let him say it, and then yeah. Mortensen says it, so good for him. <laughs> yeah, well, I I've been gun shy because I had a situation where I I tweeted, I got it from a school, I tweeted a player was going to declare, and then the player didn't declare for a couple weeks, and I was like shit. And I even called the kid and apologized. It was like, hey, man, I was not trying to, like, steal your thunder. I, the school gave this to me. I thought it was cool. So I've been, like, gun shy about I don't want to take kids' news from them. Like, I don't want to yeah, steal their moment. A, so It's a tricky thing. Like, and I, like, I, um, I wrote a month ago for FanRex Sports that Ronald Jones was declaring. And I wrote it in, like, a long, long-form draft article. And, you know, people, like, some people read it and were like, oh, cool. But then, like... 
like three weeks later, like four different draft media people were like, oh, I'm hearing Ronald Jones is declaring. And I'm like, I said this three weeks ago, but like, I don't need to put it on the timeline 50 times because like, I don't care enough. Everybody knows these these running backs, these star underclass and running backs are leaving school. So it's a funky business, but declaration is. season is upon us. Almost over, to be honest with you. Yeah, another week. Another yeah. The 15th is the deadline. But uh, back to the Senior Bowl. I am incredibly excited, and and you know we've said this about Josh Allen before. If you like him, you're gonna love him in Mobile because that arm strength is gonna pop, and he's he is a great kid. You know, he was on one of the early episodes of this show. It, you know, obviously everyone knows there's a a relationship there with all of us. He's a good kid, and I think we're all rooting for him. That is a platform where he can shine. Baker Mayfield, another kid that will be on. I say kid, he another guy who will be on this show. Another guy we have a good relationship with. I don't know the Senior Bowl is the best platform for him because I feel like he's such a gamer. And that's not a knock. I just don't know that in shorts and shoulder pads, he's going to, you know, he's going to get you all excited throwing 25 yard out routes. Like that's just not who he is. But it is going to be an important part of the evaluation just to get them both. And, and the same thing for Mason Rudolph to get the three of them out of their familiarity with the scheme and the system. And let's just see who they are as passers. And let's just see who they are as guys. Like how do they, how do their teammates, you know, handle them? And, and the good thing is Baker should be on one team and Josh Allen should be on the other. So Baker should be on the South. Josh Allen should be on the North. So we'll really get to see how they just handle the situation as leaders. That was one of my favorite things about Derek Carr and Carson Wentz when they were there was just the, like the energy they put off and the way their teammates just really, you know, were attracted to them as leaders and and how they, you know, emerged, I guess, as, as the guy out there. Like, there was no doubt. Like, Carson Wentz was the dude. And so I, I really want to see that aspect of it. I, I do I, – I can't wait for you to see Josh Allen's arm in person. Yeah, because. I- I'm really excited for that. Like you, I am very excited to just watch the quarterbacks throw this year. I think that's one of the best things about the Senior Bowl. And listen, Josh Allen is going to look vastly different than everyone else. The speed the ball comes out, it's going to look different. And I think Baker will show that he has a better arm than many many you know expect. I think it's going to be very interesting for Mason Rudolph because I think he's a guy that throws better with touch rather than really velocity. Mm-hmm. And there's some guys underrated that can spin the ball. I thought, I don't love him as a prospect, but I thought Kurt, Kurt Benkert from Virginia has a strong arm. And yeah. he's get Mike White from Western Kentucky is going to be there. I mean, there's reasons to sit and watch the quarterbacks throw. There's no doubt about that. Luke Falk is a guy of the opposite, doesn't have a strong arm, but coaches fall in love with his intelligence and his way to manage the huddle and his way to come out and know where to go with the ball. So I think there's so much to gain for each quarterback. And I kind of stand with you, Matt, where how much can Baker Mayfield really gain from the senior bowl? I think he's going top 10 no matter what right now, but this is an event to me that's going to push him into the top three. Wow. See, I think he's more of a 15 to 12 to 20. I, if I like had okay. to guess right now, I say, I, I say like six to 10, maybe somebody trades ahead of the jets or something like that. Yeah, I can see I, it. Yeah. I don't think he can The talk though of like, I, Browns fans, I know, love him. The talk of him going in the top four, I, I just think that's not realistic at all. So uh, this, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. I get Browns fans who who read or heard 
John Dorsey say that Baker Mayfield was impressive, and now they're like, he's going yeah. first overall. Dorsey loves him. It doesn't work like that, man. It, <laughs> it, just... it was also December when he said it. So, yes. like, was even the? I don't even know if he was hired yet. I think he was just I, hired. Yeah. So I, man, people jump to some weird fucking conclusions, and I, you know, you never want to be the guy who's like, that's not how it works. But that's not how it works. So here's last thing on Baker in the Senior Bowl. The most important thing for him all week is weigh in. And it's the first thing he'll do there. How tall is he? How big are his hands? Because that, that's it. And listen, great player. Heisman Trophy winner. I, I thought he was the best player in college football this year, hands down. And, and we both have round one grades on him. Love the kid. If he comes in at six foot with a nine-inch hand, Regardless of what he just did on the field for two, three years at Oklahoma, there will be people who don't like him because he's he doesn't meet the threshold. And when you work for like like our job, I I think there are like 50 some quarterbacks on my list. No, there are 68. Holy shit. So you have to have some kind of system <laughs> to eliminate guys uh, because I can't watch 68 quarterbacks. And so people might be like, oh, thresholds are stupid. Sometimes they are, but they it's exist how you whittle it down. Yeah, and so if he comes in under that threshold, teams aren't going to take him off their board, but it will give them pause. And on the other side of it, when Josh Allen comes in at 6'5", 240, people are going to say, okay, we've seen that size work. We don't really ever see that other size work. So I, I, I know that the last month has been a Baker love fest, and for good reason. He's a, he's a fucking great player. But now is when it's going to be, okay, what are the question marks with all these guys now? And and Baker's size is going to be one. And I, I've said it before on Twitter. I've said it before on this show. I've said it before on the Friday show. Outliers rarely go early. Yep. So like, And, you know, whether it's John Dorsey at one or uh, Dave Gettleman at two or Mike McCagnan at six, it's Who hard did? to, it's hard to yeah. take an outlier. Really is. Because we, we've explained this on the show. If you want to stick your foot out there for an outlier before, way before anyone else will, and you're wrong, you're fired. And yep. if you're fired from a front office in the NFL, unlike coaches, you don't come back. You either go do TV if you can get it, or, I mean, that's really it. It's it's not that he, you don't want to go back to being an area guy. It's just it's yeah. so hard to come back from that and revisiting the hands thing because people like to make this a running joke. I've been guilty of it in the past too. I think an interesting example is Jared Goff. Jared Goff came in at six four two fifteen. That's fine. You could gain a couple of pounds. That height is great. Nine inch hands. Isn't the threshold usually nine and a quarter? That's what I personally go nine by. nine to nine and a quarter. Yeah, and his okay. hand grew. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. he he was yeah, he was a guy that people raised that as a concern. So you have to go back and see how does this affect him, Kenny? And obviously it was fine. We both had him in our top ten and, and thought it wouldn't affect him, but it's something you have to revisit. And with Baker, people are gonna have to revisit the height and the hand size. He's a great football player. I think I would like to see him be a little more decisive with the ball at times rather than always looking for the play to break down and make a play. But I truly do believe he's an outlier, but that doesn't mean that a team will stick there, you know, maybe not even top 10. I've been saying top 10. I think top five is rich. It's going to be really, really interesting with Baker Mayfield this offseason. It is. And it be. starts now. It really starts yeah. now. And like it or not, there's going to be questions about maturity, uh, personality. I don't want to call it character because I don't think it's character. I just think it, it is. It's personality. Same with Josh Rosen. There's going to be questions about personality. 
And so you have the two guys, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, who are like, uh, you know, what do we call them? Like wet blankets, you know, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. The they're never going to get in trouble, right? They're just going to be like, they're going to play football and then they're just going to like go home and Sam Darnold's going to play video games and Josh Allen's going to go hunting. And then you just don't worry about them. And never, you never want to miss on a guy that you had concerns about dedication and just overall interest in the game. You yeah, like, rat, you know, like, yeah. like you're, you have a huge Jets following. Mark Sanchez. That was what it was. Like the dude was, he wanted to look like a quarterback. He didn't want to work like one. Yes. And he wasn't mentally built for the position. He right. just wasn't, it just wasn't there. He's not a guy. And Mark Sanchez is literally a great person, but that doesn't mean you're a great quarterback who has to be a leader of men. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, listen, one thing we did want to bring back for you guys this week is we used to do the scouts quote over summer. Yeah. Now we're going to transition to full blown insider buzz. We want to drop a couple nuggets for you. Matt has so much info that he can't fit it all in the scouting notebook <laughs> anymore. So he's been kind enough to bring it to the stick to football midweek show. I will try to drop things here and there. Matt, what are you hearing right now, dude? Man, and like I was going, I was driving to my office this morning and was just thinking about conversations I've had. And it was like, I got to, I got to start like, you know, getting this stuff out to people. And I don't know if everyone who listens reads the scouting notebook that comes out on Fridays and vice versa. So it's like, shit, let's just have fun with Cross it. Cross so, Yeah, might yeah. as well. Right. <laughs> and, and here you and I can talk about it and have conversations and people can get involved. If I write it in an article, it's just like, here's my opinion and there's no follow up. So one of the biggest things I'm hearing, Denzel Ward, the corner from Ohio State. I've heard this from former teammates. I've heard it from coaches. I've heard it from scouts in the NFL. This dude has a shot to go top 10. And he's someone you and I scouted together in person against Rutgers. And one of the biggest questions that we had about him when we saw him in person was, hey, he's a little small. Uh, I've heard right now he's 5'11". He's probably going to be about 185 to 190. Here's the thing, though, that I, I did not know on film. He has a shot to run in the four twos. Now, wow. when, a, when a coach tells you 4-2, you're always like, okay, it's probably 4-3. But then I've talked to a, a guy we've had on the show, Marshawn Lattimore, said, listen, he's faster than me. So That's when Marshawn, really fast. <laughs> yeah. When Marshawn Lattimore says, this guy's faster than me, probably more athletic than me, Marshawn ran a 4-3-6 last year at the Combine, which is you know, traditionally a little slow. He also jumped 38 and a half uh, vert and 132 broad. I mean, he was a top performer across the board. So if he is saying that Denzel Ward's more athletic than him, that's something that you got to pay attention to. So I, I don't know where you have him ranked after we saw him. I have him at 11 overall right now. And just based on the draft order and team needs, I think the dude could go. He could go very early. He could go anywhere from five to 10. I, I think it's probably where he's at right now. I agree with you. I think he's the best corner in this class, uh, just overall from everything. I know he's not going to win the size battle. That's okay. Like you said, we got to go on the field and see him live, and he's got arms down to the ground. He's very smooth, a very good athlete. Uh, to piggyback off of your buzz, I have heard over and over again that he will be the first cornerback taken in this draft almost no matter what. And I think yours was a little flashier where, hey, he can go in the top 10, not only be the first cornerback taken – it's hard to really sit here and go, who is in that stratosphere? Because the guys after him to me are Josh Jackson from Iowa, who came yeah. on the scene very late. Uh, Carlton Davis from Auburn is another guy that might fall find his way into the first round. 
But when you look across the board, it, it seems like Denzel Ward and then everyone else. And Matt, one conversation that we've consistently had is we're waiting for a corner to stand out amongst this pack. Now it seems like the more people we talk to and how he's going to test, that guy is Denzel Ward. Yeah, and I really like Josh Jackson from Iowa. I mean, uh, another guy I got to see live this year. I mean, he had eight picks, and they weren't gimmies. You know, like they were he had three against Ohio state and he had one of the best catches of the year. So you could see his athleticism, but the, the Denzel Ward love is very, very real out there. And it helps that he comes from such a good program at Ohio state where he is very well coached and he's, he's developed and, and just once again, Ohio state is going to have a corner go very early in the first round. It's just, it, it's almost becoming like the sun coming up in the morning. You can almost just like bet <laughs> it's on it. It's incredible. It's so, absolutely incredible. Yeah. And okay. So another guy that's going to go very early, we saw him last night, Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver from Alabama. The only problem is, as you guys saw in the first half, he has a running back throwing him the ball for the last two years. So his numbers aren't great. But then we, you see what he can do. And I know he had he had like a drop in the end zone. And I, I kind of tweeted about it. I don't know if this is the, you know, it's, if it's a timing thing. When you switch quarterbacks, I, I think that's very hard to do with timing. It's also hard to go from a right-handed to a left-handed quarterback. Yes, the ball because comes the, out differently. Calvin Ridley's route running, uh, his his poise, his body control, he's going to go top 15. I think he'll be the first receiver off the board unless Cortland Sutton from SMU is a lot more athletic than he looks on tape. So there's a lot of love out there for Calvin Ridley. If you're listening to this and you're like, but he's 23 years old. He did turn 23 about two weeks ago. I don't care. And the way I was taught to, to do this is if a guy's going to be 24 as a rookie, you put a, a, a star by his name. And it's there, you know, you, you consider it. And maybe if there was another receiver that I had ranked closely to him, it would be a tiebreaker, but I, I think he's special and he's not Amari Cooper. You know, he's not on that level. Um, I don't think he's Michael Thomas good, but I, I do think he has a lot of talent and just as a route runner and as a, a natural hands catcher, I think he could, I wouldn't be surprised if he has more catches yards and touchdowns as a rookie than he did this year at Alabama. Yeah, I think that's a very fair take. I think it obviously it depends on his landing spot, but it's becoming very hard to argue against Calvin Ridley being the first receiver off the board. I love Cortland Sutton. I love what he can be, his red zone ability, his ability after the catch. I think he's going to run a little bit of an underwhelming 40 time. I think he's going to be in that 4-5-2 to 4-5-5 range. Um, he, I, I don't know what Ridley might be in the four or five, you know, range as well. But the, at the end of the day, you look at Ridley's route running, you look at his hands. He seems like a very natural catcher. He just, he should have been more productive in college and all those things were out of his control. It's as simple as that. But if you want a guy to get on the field and create separation for your quarterback, he is the guy right away. I think Dallas Cowboys for me come to mind. Look at that offense this year in (laughs) Dallas. I mean, Des Bryant's not a guy that's generating separation consistently anymore. I I don't really know how much Cole Beasley really brings for your offense. I think Terrence Williams is not a great football player. The Cowboys, people like to pin the regression on Dak and it's okay. Yes. Did Dak regress a little bit? Sure. Look at what's around him and the regression around him. I think if Dallas is sitting in a spot where they say, okay, we, we we couldn't get a player like Roquan Smith for the middle of our defense to take over for life after Sean Lee or or whatever it's going to be. Go get a receiver that's pro-ready and can help your quarterback, who I still believe should be the quarterback of the future going forward for the Cowboys. Yeah, and they're picking at, what, they're picking at 20? So uh, 19 or, or 20? Yeah, yeah, I think there's a coin flip maybe involved. It, it's They're right there with the, the Lions. So, yeah, I don't know. 
gosh, I don't know if he makes it that far, but he would be a tremendous fit for them. Like just a natural, really natural fit for them. So that's uh, that's the news I have on those guys. Let me see. Do I have one more thing? Oh, the Lions job. And I know other people have said this, so I'm not like breaking any news and this isn't just me, but man, everything I hear is that it's Matt Patricia and no one else was ever really considered. And Seems there's a like connection a lot, there. Right? Yep. Like Bob Quinn, the GM was in New England. You know, they, they want to go with a kind of a tougher, more disciplined uh, situation after Jim Caldwell, who's kind of a, you know, like quieter, mild mannered guy. So it, it definitely sounds like that's Matt Patricia's job to lose. Or and it, it just actually just sounds like it's his job as soon as the Patriots get out of the playoffs, which might be after the Super Bowl at this point. Well, speaking of jobs, one thing we want to talk about before we do take a break and do the top 10 free agent landing spots is we're going to make the official jump over to the NFL side after going very college heavy in the beginning of the show is obviously John Gruden to Oakland, uh, Matt Nagy to Chicago. What do you think the impact is, you know, your instant reaction for really the quarterbacks here? What does this move do for Derek Carr? What does the Nagy hire do for Mitch Trubisky? Well, I, I think this is a God, it's a perfect fit for Mitch Trubisky. Like even going back and looking at my pre-draft scouting report on him, you know, it praised his accuracy and his ability to make plays on the move. And, you know, he's much more of a dual threat than he was ever given credit for. So with Nagy's background and what he brought to Kansas City, how that offense changed when he uh, took over there. Uh, for Doug Peterson when he went to Philly, like that offense evolved. It became a little more college-like, you know, with some RPOs, more spread, a lot more fun formations. I think it's going to be great for Chicago. The biggest thing is Ryan Pace needs to give him weapons. And they the problem is they also have needs elsewhere, but they need to give they need to give Trubisky weapons at wide receiver. You know, yeah, they need to, to you know, bulk up and fix some problems on the O-line and defense. But I, I don't know if they go receiver eight, but... At some point, you have to really add the talent there. And, you know, with, with Gruden going to, to Oakland, and no one knows in our business, no one knows Gruden better than our, our coworker Chris Sims because he played for him. And I, I've read a lot of the things that Sims has said over the last week about, you know, he's going to toughen Derek Carr up. I, what I'm interested to see, and I don't think anyone knows, is what does Gruden's offense look like? Because he's been out for so long, and everything that we've all heard for the last year or two years is that he has spent all this time studying offenses, college offenses, NFL offenses, and like tweaking his system. So I want to see what his system looks like because I have, I don't even really remember what his offense was when he retired, you know, because it was, it's been so long now. And I don't think it's crazy to say that you, like Derek Carr might be the most talented quarterback he's ever had. You know, I know he had Rich Gannon, but if he can if he can get the the trains running on time for Derek Carr and keep him protected, that that has to be the the most talent he's ever had. Yeah, I I agree with you. I'm really just curious right now to see what John Gruden comes out and does. And I'm curious to see what this Raiders offense looks like next year. I mean, are we going to see Marshawn Lynch back in the fold? How are they going to draft Who's really going to be making the personnel decisions there? Because the one thing I do like is that it seems like Gruden has come out and accepted the fact that he shouldn't be controlling that all the way. I I think he's realized his mistakes in the past with personnel. I think he realizes that they need a guy there or two to really aid him with that. And it's going to be interesting to see how long Reggie McKenzie stays there. There's a lot of dominoes still to fall in Oakland and then soon to be Vegas. Um, I I hope this improves 
everything about Derek Carr because this was not a good year all around for the Oakland Raiders offense. But flipping it back to the Matt Nagy hire, I would call this, and there's still a lot of dominoes to fall, but I think this will end up being my favorite coaching hire of the offseason because it's not the splashiest hire, but I think Nagy is a good football mind, a good offensive football mind, and the Bears, specifically Ryan Pace, said, hey, we invested a lot into picking Mitch Trubisky last year. Let's get the most out of him and help him you know, succeed. It's as simple as that. This says to me, we got the offensive mind to help the quarterback. Now you got to go finish the job. You got to put the players around yeah. him. And we're going to talk about that after our break, our next segment. I have a couple, you know, a couple guys that we should pin to the Bears outside of the NFL draft. They got to spend some money. You lost Alshon Jeffrey at receiver. It's time to go buy another receiver and bring one back in. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they set this coach up for success. But I think he was the right guy for Chicago. Without a doubt, he's the one I've been I've been saying for for weeks. This is who should go to Chicago. So I'm happy to see it worked out. Uh, yeah, let's take our let's take our first little break here. We'll come back. Uh, we'll do our top ten free agent landing spots. Then we're gonna have Connor Williams from Texas on Malik Jefferson from Texas. Not together. We just weirdly went. Maybe because one of us is a huge Texas fan. But we're going we're going Longhorn heavy, and then we'll come back and we'll finish draft on draft where you guys get to send in your questions. So hang tight. We will be right back. Welcome back to episode number 40 of Stick to Football. It's time to talk a little NFL after a lot of college before this. Matt, we're going to take the top 10 free agents with their best landing spots, help a couple teams out. And who better to start with than, I know you're not going to send them anywhere, but your dream quarterback, Jimmy G. Jimmy GQ. Oh my God, Jimmy Jesus is what I've been calling him. That's uh, right. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Uh, exactly. I know. I know. There's the conspiracy theorists who think that somehow he's going to end up back in New England. Uh, he's not. If they, if the Niners Same. don't work out a long term deal, and I actually think they have a chance to, they'll franchise him. Like there's, this is a no brainer. Don't worry about it, Niners fans. Garoppolo is the quarterback long term there. They wouldn't have made this trade otherwise. He's happy there. They are very happy with him. So, yes, he's a free agent. There's no way he's getting out of town. Dude, I'm not even going to play the evil co-host here and name another spot. <laughs> Normally, I would I'd kind of poke the bear and be like, ah, Jimmy G, let's New York Jets, Denver Broncos. Yeah, you wish. Yeah, yeah no, nah, listen, that ain't happening. Jimmy G, Kyle Shanahan, go dominate the NFC for the next decade, please, and thank you. Next, Kirk Cousins, a guy that I do think has a good chance to go to the New York Jets, but this is perfect landing spots. I yeah. will go... Denver Broncos or Jacksonville Jaguars here. The reason I'm going Broncos over Jaguars is I think this Jacksonville team is crazy enough to stick it out with Blake Bortles one more year. And that is terrifying. But the Denver Broncos, I think, are bold enough to move on from their mistakes and say Paxton Lynch ain't it. It's as simple as that. He ain't it. And go get Kirk Cousins. John Elway, convince him to sign in Denver. You have a defense in place. You can build a running game. I think Cousins, I think he, the Broncos have to be one of his top options. They can dole out the money for him, but it'll be interesting to see if they can outbid the New York Jets. Okay, so my dream landing spot is the New York Jets because of money. I mean, the Jets are going to have $80 million. The Broncos are going to be probably around like 25 Ooh, that's tight. 
it's tight, and they have other guys they have to to lock up. I mean, the the Broncos that's an aging team. They're starting to get to the point where they do have to keep some people. They have to start thinking long term. The Jets are positioned to just open up the wallet and say, "Come on, baby, like let's just do it." So, I, and I I think the Jets are becoming an attractive free agent landing spot. Like Jeremy Bates, the quarterbacks coach, who I think will be an offensive coordinator very soon, is a great guy to work with. I mean, he has a great track record. Everyone loves him. They have a young defense that is hungry and improving. They have a very underrated wide receiver core. And I'm not just saying this because you're a Jets fan. I do think this is the best spot for him. They pick number six right now, which is not going to get you Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. I We said before, I don't really think Baker Mayfield's on their radar as a first-round pick. I've reported before they love Josh Allen. He might not even be there at six because of the, the quarterback needs ahead of them. I think you you take care of that biggest need with that 100 mil or whatever or 80 million that you have in cap space. Just cross it off. Let's just sign Kirk Cousins to a five-year, whatever, $30 million a year contract and I not approve. worry about quarterback. And listen, I think you make a super good underrated point about Jeremy Bates being there. I think when you go back and look at when Bates last called plays, it was in 2008 for the Denver Broncos. He got a Pro Bowl season out of Jay Cutler and a very good season out of Brandon Marshall with a solid offensive line and not much else. And I think when you look at what Bates can do, is similar to what Cousins has thrived off of in Washington. Roll him out off play action, cut the field in half, use those touch throws to push the ball down the field, whether it's to the tight end, whether it's to a big-time receiver. Quincy and Noon will be back next year. You hope they re-sign ASJ. You get things cooking in New York. I I would love to see that landing spot happen for obvious reasons. It's a playoff team. Yes, they have Kirk Cousins. You talk about the 2017 tanking Jets to the 2018 playoff contender in what's a dog shit AFC right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're better than the Bills with Kirk Cousins. They they were as good as the Bills this year when they had Josh McCown. They beat the Chiefs in Jacksonville. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're not yeah. far off. So, all right. All here's right. A, yep. a guy everyone forgets is a free agent, Drew Brees. Where does he go? Man, he's got to stay. Uh, unless, yeah. listen, it, they, the, imagine the Broncos pull the Peyton Manning thing again. And <laughs> they go, hey, Drew, uh, why don't you come here and win a Super Bowl? And then you can ride off into the sunset. I don't think that's going to happen. I think staying with the Saints is the good move because I think the Saints have shown big-time life of turning this thing around for the long term after people thought they were in the dust. The defense has turned it around. Their draft class looks stellar this year. Absolutely stellar Saints draft class. Probably the best out of all the NFL teams. Go back, Breeze. Go where you're familiar. Continue on the offense. Try to get one more Super Bowl for New Orleans. Yeah, and his contract like technically like voids, and they can't franchise him. I believe is how it works. So that, they'll figure money. something out. <laughs> yeah, they, they'll figure something out. I think he was due like eighteen this year. Uh, I, I think they'll they'll make it work. There's there's no way he's going to go anywhere. I, I think you see this team that has a window open, and I mean it's still open this year. But I think he's smart enough to stay there and and try to make it work. So I think we both agree that he he stays in New Orleans. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, another one where it's like, oh man, I keep forgetting he's a free agent. He's 26 years old, arguably the best running back in the NFL, and he's he's got some demons off the field. I don't know that the Steelers, I don't know that they move on, and I also don't know that they are going to pay him the money that he deserves. I mean, he he should be the highest paid running back in the NFL. That's just how it works. And the Steelers don't have a ton of cap space. I mean, they're. They're always one of the lowest teams. Right now, they have $2.4 million in cap space. That's 30th 
in the league. Only the Eagles and Chiefs have worse cap situations. My gut feeling is that they get outbid because when it comes down to it at the end of the day, this negotiation is 100% about money. Le'Veon Bell realizes he's a running back with a ton of tread on his tires already at just 26 years old, and it's time to get paid now or never, especially when you're one more injury away from having, you know, serious repercussions for the long term of your career. I got a little creative here, and I know the timing's not great. I said Tennessee Titans. I know Derrick Henry just had 145 rushing yards in the second half of a playoff game. I'm not buying in that Derrick Henry is the primary back of the future in Tennessee, and I think anyone that says that is a has recency bias, and I think they're insane, and I think this Tennessee Titans offense needs to get a guy that can do it all, catch the ball, not come off the field in all three downs. You can keep Derrick Henry as a change of pace back. The Steelers take Le'Veon off the field. They get other guys involved. Titans could still do that with Derrick Henry, but you have $53.7 million in cap space. Go front load that deal to Le'Veon Bell. Put all the money in the first two years so you can cut him as he gets closer to 30. But go get a guy that can help Marcus Mariota in this offense. I I, I love it. And I, I do think there's a recency bias for Derrick Henry where people are looking at one half of football and not two years of football and yep, being like, oh, he's great. Um, and maybe I'm maybe I'm stuck on my draft evaluation of him. I didn't particularly love him. I thought he was just a, a secondary complimentary back. So I don't have uh, Le'Veon Bell going to the Titans. Everyone's going to think I'm a homer, but let me just say this. No team has more cap space than the San Francisco 49ers. No team. Even if they they have $118 million in cap space. Even if you franchise Jimmy G, you still have like $98 million. If you're Le'Veon Bell and you've seen what Kyle Shanahan has done for running backs, why wouldn't you want to go to San Francisco for four years an up-and-coming team, a great offensive coordinator. You could play with Garoppolo. Man, like it's... dream spots. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like we said, this is like dream landing spots. Yep. Le'Veon Bell can go somewhere and get paid and win. So like, yes, the Browns can afford him. Fuck that. No one wants to go there. The Colts can afford him. Maybe. You know, like maybe you would want to go play with Andrew Luck if he's healthy. The Jets can afford him. The Buccaneers can afford him. Of like, I would want, and yes, I'm biased, but I would want to go to San Francisco, the hottest team in the NFL when the season ended. Great young head coach, great young quarterback, and a fun culture in a team being built. And you can get paid. That's where I'm going. Listen, I, it's hard to argue against that. You want to talk about an offensive genius with a uh, superstar quarterback in the making already? Listen, hard to argue against that. I'll tell you that much. All right, number five on the list, halfway through after this guy. Talk about a time to have a breakout season, Demarcus Lawrence. Good Lord, man. This guy was not looking like a bust, but definitely not looking like what we were hoping he could be after going in the second round of the 2014 NFL Draft. He racked up 14 and a half sacks this year in his fourth season, and since he didn't go in the first round, no fifth-year option. Unless the Cowboys franchise tag him, this man is going to get paid as all pass rushers do. Listen, he only had it was like eight and a half sacks for or eight or nine sacks for his career before this year, and he has 14 and a half in just this season. Yeah. Now, I wasn't a homer during the Kirk Cousins thing. 
Now I'm going to have to be for this. I The New York Jets have invested a ton into the back end of their defense. They have no juice up front. Mo Wilkerson, goodbye. Leonard Williams getting double and triple teamed. They have zero pass rush. They have almost $100 million coming in cap space. Go buy a pass rusher. This is the best one on the market. Yeah, I, I love that fit for them. I, I do. I look at Dallas's cap situation and you're just, gosh, I don't know if they can. It's going to be tough, dude. man. And I think he should stay if he can, but I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, no, I, I do like the fit for him. But how about this one? Go to the Tennessee Titans. If a team that needs an outside pass rusher, I, I do think he's a fit in that situation because he, he can play standing up. He can play with his hand in the dirt. It looks like they've missed on Kevin Dodd, who was a second round pick out of Clemson. Hasn't panned out. The Titans have a little over $50 million in cap space. They can afford to lock him up. Uh, and I like, yeah, I love it for the Jets, too. You know, they have, they're going to have $80 million to spend. They can do it. I, I worry a little bit uh, with Demarcus Lawrence. You have to worry about the off field. It is a guy who's been suspended before. So that that's a concern. But I think the Titans, I think he's the type of pass rusher they're really missing out on right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they've spent a lot of money in and draft capital in that secondary. Used a first round pick on a Dory Jackson. You gave Logan Ryan a big time contract. And it's kind of funny. The best guy of the bunch has been Bayard. I mean, he had a, a yeah. ton of picks this year. Third round pick. Yeah. Good lord, man. Go talking about finding some talent. I don't think they've done a good job finding the talent up front in round one, but you go get a guy like that in day two. Makes up for some things, I'll tell you that much. So I don't. I can't argue with that fit, man. Tennessee is a team that you want to see more out of them every year, and maybe this is a guy that can put them over a little bit. Yeah. Okay. How about next? Malcolm Butler, Super Bowl hero to good corner to maybe overrated. Yeah. It's like a weird spot for him right now. It. You know, it, it is with Malcolm Butler. It's. I feel bad for him. Doesn't it feel like he got? To put it, excuse my French, he got fucked by the system. It, he really he did. Ju- like, he's going to turn 28 this offseason. You're a cornerback. Oh. I hate to say it, when you're almost, you're a year away from 29, you're an old corner. Or you're going to be an old corner. I know that sounds insane, but the way corners fall off cliffs, you're not going to get the three to four to five year deals when you're that close to 30, you're two years away from 30, you're going to get a deal that's front-loaded in the first two years of the contract. Listen, cornerbacks get paid on the market. I think Malcolm Butler's going to be just fine, but he could have got a lot more when, you know, strike when the iron is hot and the system held him down and he, he couldn't go get his. I, I put yeah. him to the Chiefs here because I think this secondary has fallen off a bit of a cliff. I, Marcus Peters is all over the place, a player that me and you loved. Week to week, you never know what you're going to get with Marcus Peters. But outside yeah. of that, you're trotting out Darrell Rivas out there. He doesn't even want to be on the fucking field. I mean, go get a corner for a cross, Marcus Peters. It's going to cost you some money, but you got to do it if that's the defense you want to run under Bob Sutton. Yeah, and they they don't have a first round pick, so they have to. They're so going to have to spend pe- to plug that it. hole. Yep. So what you were saying about Butler is exactly why I put him to the the team I'm about to tell you. He came into the league. He was 23, so he had to do his four years as a undrafted free agent. Has made very little money compared to every other guy on this list. I think he looks at the landscape and says, I am 28 years old. I need to go get paid. I'm going to go to the Cleveland Browns because they will overpay me. Mm. We, we saw it last year. You know, another guy we've had on the podcast, Tony Jefferson, basically came out and said last year, the Browns offered me more money, but I wanted a chance to win. So I went to Baltimore. 
I think Malcolm Butler will say, I have one. This is going to be my last big contract. Let me go to Cleveland. Let me get top money because they will have to overpay. And uh, on the, the Brown side of things, you need another corner. John Dorsey and Alonzo Highsmith need guys who have won before to build a culture there. I think it works for both sides. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I keep forgetting about the Browns, to be honest with you. I think they'd be actually a really good fit for our next player as well. And I, I will use them after reviewing a not-so-friendly cap situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The other top corner in this class, after being franchise tag this year, Tremaine Johnson from the Rams. Uh, yep. Listen, another great fit for Cleveland because you want a guy that can go out and reinforce your secondary. I I hated the Jabril Peppers pick. I just don't know what he offers you as an actual defensive back. And uh, listen, you're going to play him, sure. But maybe you draft Minka Fitzpatrick at number four, like you know, you've been talking about, obviously. And then you go sign either one of Butler or Tremaine Johnson. I also like Johnson and the Steelers, but when you, we just went over their money, that doesn't seem very realistic, to be honest with you. Yeah, I have Johnson staying. Uh, I, I think the okay. Rams have the money. And, and you know, they, they messed up and let Janoris Jenkins go. And they they picked they picked Tremaine Johnson over Janoris Jenkins. Uh, they have the money to spend to keep him locked up there. Uh, they're they're number eleven. I think they have about forty five million in cap space. They they are going to have to prioritize because you have guys that you're going to have to pay down the road. You know, like Todd Gurley, like Jared Goff. But I, I look at it this way: if I I could pick either Sammy Watkins or Tremaine Johnson for the Rams, I'm going to take Tremaine Johnson. And they they have, you know, Robert Woods was a hit for them in free agency. They have Cooper Cup. They have Josh Reynolds. Like they have they have enough young receivers. I think you go with Tremaine Johnson and you let Sammy Watkins walk. Yeah, that's really the Watkins thing is so interesting to me because I think he's a really good fit in the offense, but people will question the production. And I'll tell you what, I trust Sean McVay to find a cheaper replacement than I do Wade Phillips at this point at cornerback, if that makes sense. I think yeah. you can get a receiver that McVay can make it work, whereas getting a corner is not as easier. Yeah, by the way, they should cut Tavon Austin. Oh, just, Jesus, just that, that was one of the most maddening contracts. You know, good on Les Snead for finding a coach that could save his ass. I'll tell you yeah, that much, right. right? I mean, good Lord, man, he... Uh, he made some horrible decisions, but when you make one really good one, it can really keep you around for a while. So, yeah, I think it's him. like a two million dollar cap hit if they cut him, like dead oh, money. It's nothing. I, see ya, see ya, man. So, yeah, <laughs> moving right along to some yep. good receivers. <laughs> yes, uh, Jarvis Landry, uh, another uh, fourth year guy, was a second round pick. Maybe he stays with Miami. What do you think? Oh, I, this is one stuff to figure out. I think Jarvis Landry is going to get overpaid, but I do like him a lot. I put him to the Chicago Bears. We just talked about it. Go get Mitch Trubisky some receivers. I, I cheated. I put the Bears for the, both receivers. We'll get to the next one soon. But I think when you look at getting a possession guy that can work the short to intermediate game for Trubisky and Matt Nagy's offense, Jarvis Landry is a perfect fit, and he brings some dog and attitude in Chicago real quick. I did the same thing. I went the exact same route. I think they, you know, we said it at the top of the show. They have to get Trubisky some weapons. I think Landry, like, yeah, he might be a slot receiver. Okay. He's a very good slot receiver. He's going to be a reliable pass catcher. And like he effectively fills your wide receiver one role, even though he's probably going to play a lot from the slot. Uh, we've seen with Nagy, like guys like Tyree kill have success in the slot. So I, and Landry's obviously not that fast, but, I, I do think he could be great in that offense. So yeah, we 
We definitely agreed on that one, man. How about Allen Robinson? Um, but, the Jag, Jags might franchise him. He's coming off an ACL tear, but... I think they do, and I think, um, you know, that kind of stinks for Allen Robinson because he's another guy that could really get paid. But, listen, you look across the league, the Bears make a lot of sense. I'm going to not be a cop out here and go to a team that I haven't used yet. You're 49ers. Uh, you want to talk about an Allen Robinson, 1,500 yards per year and 10 touchdowns? Jimmy G, Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco, go get him. I did the same thing. Well, like, at, I, and, I, and we don't even write these in together. Yeah, One of us no. always writes in, so the other doesn't cheat. But right. I guess that's why we do a show together, right? No, I, I mean, I, and I know, like, oh, you're being a homer. Again, they have $118 million to spend. No, you're not. This one makes sense. It yeah, makes it, way too much sense. As long as he gets free, he's exactly what they need. So I understand I've given the 49ers Garoppolo, Le'Veon Bell, and Allen Robinson, but God damn it, let me dream. Like, let me. <laughs> I'm buying season tickets if that happens, and I, I guess I'm going to have to – I can't afford a house in San Francisco, so I'll have to figure that oh, out. Good but, Lord, um, man, it's expensive. And I'm saying yeah. that from New York City. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited and, and Niners fans should be, I know we have a huge following of Niners fans. You guys should be excited because the quarterback situation is figured out. You have a head coach, you have a GM who's been aggressive and yeah, there've been some misses, you know, like Joe Williams and CJ Beathard, but at least they were mid round misses in free agency. They've done a great job and you have selling points. Like you have the most money to spend. You have the quarterback, you have the head coach, you have you have something that can lure these guys in. So if I'm Allen Robinson, I'm all about it. Uh, all right, number ten on the list, Ezekiel Ansa, who had like quietly a very good year, and he came he on is, late. Yeah. yeah, he is a little bit older now. Um, you know, another guy who kind of came into the NFL uh, as an older prospect. I think he's 29 right now, and he he was healthy at the end of the year, and it showed he had a very good year. He's going to command respect on the market. The Lions have about $50 million to spend. They could definitely try to keep him. Where do you think he ends up? Or where's the I, best fit? I, I think he should stay. And here's the reasons why. So something interesting about Ezekiel Ansa: 12 sacks this year, right? Okay, that's the second most he's had out of his five seasons in the NFL. He turns 29 this year. Six of those 12 sacks came in weeks 16 and 17. The last two weeks of the season, he had half of his production. Now, he's a guy that forces quarterback hurries, gets quarterback hits, changes the game when he's on the field. Listen, injured players stay injured. I love this player on the field. I don't know if he'll ever fully stay on the field. It just seems like he's always playing kind of hurt. He plays. It's not that he misses all these games, but he is playing banged up. This is a tough sell for me to an NFL team to give out what Demarcus Lawrence is going to get. As you said, Matt, he's getting a little sneaky old here. Stay in Detroit. It's been a good fit. You know, Matt Patricia comes in. I think he'll get him cooking the same way the Patriots had Chandler Jones cooking a couple years ago. Yeah, that's a great point. I had him hitting the market and going to Tampa, just going to get a check. That's basically. a great fit. They and need they, that. Yeah, they need it. Him opposite Noah Spence would give them respectability, I, I think, on the D-line. And they they do have the money. They have about $64 million to spend. So that's that's where I plugged him in. I I, I do think, you know, he, he could be in play for Tennessee. He could be in play for Detroit. Um, it, it, there are a lot of spots that make sense for him if teams are comfortable with his health. He's probably a dude that gets like a two-year deal, honestly, and just because you don't want to invest in him long-term. But I could see Tampa being like, hey, come be a mercenary. Come be a, you know, come be our right defensive end because that, that's a huge need for them. No doubt. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to have on Connor Williams and Malik Jefferson. Pretty damn cool, if you ask me. Matt's, we're going to have to make sure Matt doesn't you know, 
I won't even say it on the show, but we're gonna, <laughs> we're just going to have to contain his excitement. So we'll be back right after this with awesome guests. All right, guys, I'm joined now by tech, former Texas linebacker Malik Jefferson. That's going to get some, I have to get used to saying it that way, man. Um, and I, we're thrilled to have you on. Uh, you are the first prospect we've had that, uh, for the 2018 draft. So welcome to the show, man. Man, thank you. It's an honor. I appreciate it. Yeah, and you're, you're a guy, I mean, everyone on here knows I'm a huge Texas fan. I've been watching your career since you were in high school, which sounds crazy. Uh, it sounds kind of creepy, actually, but... You know, one of the things that, that always stood out about you was that how well you handled the pressure and the spotlight of being the the face of Texas football as a 19 year old. So how I mean, how did you handle that going from, you know, like you're going to prom and then two weeks later, everybody's like, oh, OK, uh, come save Texas football. And and like all that just went right on your shoulders. Man, that's part of the business. I think that's the uh atmosphere college creates and you know uh we are a high prospect that puts a lot of pressure on you i think a lot of guys have been in similar situations similar situations as me but um you know it's tough and and you know you see the kid last night two ago uh won the national championship and you just gotta step up at the right moments and and do what you what you've been trying to do for your whole life and uh i think that's uh i think that's very important it's coming in as a young guy and uh highly profiled so what all goes into your decision to declare early, you know, because, you know, and there were a lot of Texas guys this year who, I mean, there've been a couple of you that did declare. There's been a couple more that, you know, have, have kind of like tested the waters and like Charles and many just decided just announced he's going to go back to school. How, just because I don't think our listeners understand how much goes into making that decision. So how do you, how do you come to that conclusion that like, okay, now's the time. I think it's just one of those things you got to listen and pray about. Um, it took a while to figure this, 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 this process out and to figure out what I was gonna, actually going to do. But, you know, when, once I got my mind made up, I prayed about everything and, and made sure it was the right decision for me and my family. Um, it went on from there. But I think it's just one of the things that you have to process and make sure you're maximizing your potential out so you can be the best uh, player and the, and the best prospect you can be. Yeah. And you mentioned like you mentioned the national championship game last night. And one thing that that like I was watching was the linebackers like Roquan Smith and Rashawn Evans. And you've got yourself in there. Like This year's linebacker class is incredibly talented. Is that something that you looked at and were like, OK, well, you know, this year it's like me and these guys next year. It might be, you know, these other guys coming up. How much did you look ahead and, and think about it that way? I didn't actually. I did. I, I know those guys. You know, great players, and uh, probably gonna come out early. And you know, congratulating them on their great seasons, uh, especially those two because they, you know, went to the national championship. Um, but no, I don't think about that. I, I just think about going out there competing with whoever is out there and making sure that I stand out uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, and you're gonna have a great shot to do that at the combine. Which, for people who don't know, you are and like we throw like the words like freak and stuff around all the time, but like that's. Like that's your trademark. Like you are, <laughs> you're a great athlete. And that's what like pops off the tape. And I know one thing that I've talked to a lot of people about with you is I actually think you might be a better edge rusher than you are a middle linebacker. So how do you, how do you prepare for like, you're going to be at the combine and they're going to ask you to do a million different things. 
are you focused on just, you know, at 40 time and shaving off seconds on your three cone and things like that? Or are you starting the process of learning about pass rush and learning coverages and, and trying to round out that side of your game? You know, you do it all. You have to, because you got to be versatile. And, um, you know, I do have that edge rush, uh, technique and mentality for, for a while. And I just kind of got the concept of middle linebacker down um, this year, but that makes me more versatile. And I think I could be able to do uh, all those aspects and that'll help, you know, of course, when I show my speed and show how quick I can move and show how exposed I am uh, at the combine. And so, you know, just hopefully that gets somebody's attention, somebody's eye that uses me the right way. So how many Jalen Smith comparisons have you heard? <laughs> Uh, probably a lot. Um, you know, that guy was great. He played it all. He played inside and outside. And uh, I want to be sort of similarly used like he was in college. And the hair probably doesn't hurt, right? Like you, you both got... <laughs> uh, it makes it no better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you do have like a, a stressful couple of months coming up, like away from the field. Like, what do you do to, to like get away from it? You know, from everybody on Twitter and everybody on, you know, TV and radio and podcast. How do you, like, what do you do to get away from all of all the people like me right now? Uh, you got to enjoy the moment. You got to enjoy everything you have and uh, the family time you have. And, uh, you know, you go to college and you miss out on a lot of time where you just don't get to see family as much. Every every off season, every season, it's it's stressful because you're just worried about playing football and then that's your focus. But now you get a little time off to, to work on yourself. You get to, to actually see family and you know, think about life because life is coming up. You're, you're, we're business now. We're grown men, and now it's the real world. There's nobody handing you uh, anything anymore. It's no babysitting. So, gotta grow up and do grown man things. Yeah, it's a lot for a 21 year old, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. But you gotta be mature and, and and trust what you're doing is the right thing. Yeah, so people can obviously tell you're going to do just fine when it comes to the interviews at the Combine. <laughs> so, uh, what about the athletic stuff? Like, I know you've been hurt. Uh, you, you had a toe injury. How's how's that, and where are you kind of at in that process? Uh, it's stressful. Uh, totally getting better, though. I can say that. I started running already, and, you know, you got to wake up a couple more things to make sure you're 100% healthy and you know, get your body right after football season because, you know, it's a lot of nicks and bruises, of course. Pretty sure almost every player that played uh, had a high intensity of snaps is, is probably in that process of trying to get their bodies back into being um, trained and not strengthening. So uh, there's a big difference in, in what we do on, in football when we go into training. So um, it's doing better. Everything's doing better. I'm getting physically better and stronger. That's good. And I, I hate that as a Texas fan, I have to ask you this question, but people would kill me if I didn't. How what's it like playing against Baker Mayfield, man? You guys had some battles over the last three years. Uh, he's a he's an electric, exciting guy. Being someone yeah. who was asked to like spy him and try to take him out of the game, what's it like being on the other side of it? Uh, I wish I could have spied him a little more, but uh, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, you know, you got to trust the system that you're in, and and he's a great guy. He's, I mean, he's a great player on the field. Um, personally, I don't know him off the field as well. I don't hang around him so. Uh, that's for people that, you know, at Oklahoma or his, his teammates. But um, one thing I did like is his teammates are really close to him and they respect everything he does and they have his back. Uh, so he must be doing something on that side to, to keep them motivated and, and show them that, you know, it's all or none. And I, I appreciate and I like that aspect of uh, what he brings to the table. Yeah, he's fiery, which uh, we'll see. We'll see if that works for him or not as we, we get through this process. We'll see. I think, I think he can go somewhere good. I think he's the... Uh, 
one of the sleeper guys in the draft for me, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild because uh, you know he'll be at the Senior Bowl with us in a couple weeks, and, and getting to see him in person is gonna be it is gonna be a lot of fun. All right, Matt, let's get to the fun part of this. We close out every interview. We ask the same five questions, and it's just kind of like the rapid fire, almost the first thing that comes to your mind. So first question we ask everybody, uh, Connor, my co-host, and I, uh, we are not professional athletes, or we're not trained to be professional athletes, so we usually relax post-show, have a couple beers. So what is your, when you're not training, what's your go-to drink off the field? <laughs> oh, God. Actually, I haven't been, you know, in the drinking world right now. So that's uh yeah. You barely you haven't been twenty one in the off season yet. So. Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, and I didn't do anything this whole semester. Uh, I must come back on that one. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit you back after you. Yeah, after you're drafted, we'll figure out what you're oh, gonna celebrate oh, with. <laughs> you got some things in mind for that night. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> uh, all right, the second one. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Flight. Uh, yeah. Travel too much, man. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. If I could just uh, transport myself to work every every couple of weeks, that'd be great. Man, be perfect. So perfect. All right. What's the one game that none of your friends can beat you at, whether it's like Madden or 2K or Call of Duty? Call of Duty really? <laughs> we had like Christian McCaffrey on and he's, I guess, a huge Call of Duty guy. We might have to hook you oh, guys yeah. up so you can play. Like the challenge him. Yeah, I, I got his I got his contact, so I'd have to call him up for some probably. <laughs> there you go. Be fun. <laughs> we'll to, I'll get a camera crew checking that one out. <laughs> All right, uh, on this one, like you can't say like your girlfriend or anything like that. But if you were stranded on a deserted island and you could only have one person there with you, who would it be? Um, that would be somebody funny. <laughs> that's that's one way. To, some people have said like their dream girl. Some people have said like survival experts. That's my dream girl. The dream girl? For sure. Who is your dream girl? You couldn't, you couldn't get mad at her. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, I don't have one. <laughs> but I can find one just yeah. on Instagram. There it's you too I, easy. You know, most people have said Rihanna. Believe it or not, that's uh, probably the most popular oh, answer we yeah. get. So, That's a good dream girl. Yeah, there you go. So I'm, I'm just helping you with all your answers. This, on this <laughs> <one>. <laughs> All right, last question. Uh, this one gets kind of heated between Connor and I. On a hot dog, do you put if you could only put ketchup or mustard, which one are you putting on there? Both. You could do both. You're just gonna <laughs> if you only had one, if you only pick no, one. I gotta do both. You gotta do both. <laughs> You're just cheating. No, I, think I, do, I think I do ketchup. Man, and we get that all the time. I'm a mustard guy. So I thought maybe uh, you and I are from close to the same area. I thought maybe you'd now, be now if it was like hot links, that's different. We do a mustard. Yeah, like a brat, like you want yes. mustard on a brat. Yeah, that's yes. cool. yep, that's what I keep trying to tell everybody, man. All right, dude, that's all the questions I have for you. Uh, definitely appreciate your time. I know I've been bothering you for like a year saying, hey, we're going to do this, you know, when yeah, you're, you're done, good, when man. you're done. So uh, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, best of luck from all of us at Stick to Football, all of us at Bleacher Report. We're definitely rooting for you, man. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, appreciate you, man. All right, everybody, welcome back. And thanks again to our buddy Malik Jefferson for hopping on. Uh, we, we warned you in advance this was going to be a Texas-heavy show, which makes me so incredibly happy. Uh, and now we're joined by the left tackle of the Longhorns, or the, the former left tackle now, uh, Connor Williams, one of the one of the best players in the entire draft, a guy that I've really enjoyed watching over the last three years. 
Man, we really appreciate it. And we're going to make history here. I think this is the first time we've ever had two. Connor, Connor Rogers, this has to be the first time we've had two guests, right? Two guests. And I mean, both from the same program, which is even more awesome. A lot <laughs> yeah. of irony. Yeah. So it's Double dipping today. All right. So let's let's jump right into it, man. Um, like I said, you're one of the top tackles in the draft class. Uh, you left Texas early after a year that, you know, you were you were hurt for a decent amount of the year, probably didn't go the way you wanted. How much went into that decision of, OK, you know, it's it's, it's time to go ahead and make the jump to the NFL? Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, thank y'all for having me on. I'm excited to be on. And um, it, it it was a very hard decision. Coming back from my injury, I um, had a lot of people telling me not to come back and just go from there and um, just start getting ready for the draft. And it, it was important to me and, uh, to be able to come back with my teammates and help them get to uh, finish the season strong and get to a bowl game and and once we finished that Texas Tech game, I had to sit back with my family and I had a, I had to talk with my family. We had to, we had to evaluate the whole situation. I hadn't thought it, about it up to that point. And uh, it came down to making the best decision for me. It was, it was a very hard decision. It's one of the toughest decisions I've ever made. But at the end of the day, it was the business decision for what was best for me. Yeah, we were almost surprised when you came back. It's obviously, you know, significant injury, and we didn't know if you'd come back early or if you'd come back at all, and you looked great right away. When you came back against West Virginia, the rushing attack for Texas was just entirely different when you were on the field, and you were really not hurt the two seasons before that. You were, you know, just a steady rock for the team your freshman and sophomore year where a lot of guys don't play. What Mentally, what was the hardest thing about finally having to sit out some time while hurt? Um, it was, it was, it was very difficult. It was the first major injury I've ever had. I felt almost useless to the team. I felt like I couldn't help the team, but it was just another adversity, just like football brings adversity. It was another adversity and another thing to attack in life. And so instead of putting my focus into my position work in my left tackle work, is putting my focus into my knee and just getting the knee better and just transitioning that focus and the coaching staff did a great job with um, giving me my space and patience to be able to come back because it's also a mental aspect to it. And so um, I had to mentally come back into it, and they they did a great job with that. Yeah, you mentioned uh, coaches there. And one thing that, that has stood out to me, like watching not just you, but you know anyone on the, the Texas offense, is you guys have had so many different offensive coordinators there. You know, Charlie tried to mix things up. Uh, n- then a new staff comes in with, with Tom Herman. How hard is that on you just going from uh, like, you know, one scheme to another or one, you know, one verbiage to another? Is that is that something that like casual fans watching at home don't understand what you guys are really going through trying to learn everything new over and over again? Uh, of course, it's it's hard to have a coaching change and definitely with an offensive coordinator every year and an offensive line coach every year. Uh, the, the O-line coaches and offensive coordinators go to the same conventions and and learn about from the same people, but they all keep their same techniques, same verbiage. And so it's hard to transition through different schematics and different and different coaches through the years. And so it's almost become secondhand nature to, okay, new year, new coach, new scheme. And so we haven't really seen a consistency in schemes or consistency in technique. And so it is pretty hard to, to be picking up on a new whole offense the next year. 
as guys that handle draft eligible players, you know, me and Matt talked to different scouts and front office people. And it was interesting because when you weren't eligible, just a true sophomore, guys were comparing you to Joe Thomas and just talking about you nonstop, even when you weren't eligible for the draft yet. Is there anyone that you molded your game around growing up playing left tackle, whether it be a Joe Thomas, who's been just dynamite for a decade now or anyone even before him? Um, I watched a I watched a variety of tackles, Tyron Smith, but I, I, I do like Joe Thomas and um I mean to be able to do what he's done throughout the years at um at Cleveland has been incredible and of course being compared to him is is insane because he's such a dominant left tackle. Yeah, so one of the things that, and this might not be a question you love, but I have to ask you about it, and it's, it's something that, that comes up every time I, I do talk to an evaluator about you. They're, they'll always say, like, well, but the Maryland game. And I, people on Twitter bring it up every time I bring up your name. They're like, yeah, but, you know, week one against Maryland, he didn't look like himself. So was that just like a week one thing, or what? Like, what's your rebuttal to people who, like, they bring up one, like, average to below average game that you had in three years? Um, I mean, there's not much of a rebuttal to it. It it was the worst game of my college career. And, and after the game, I, I really, uh, it was kind of a reality check. And I, I sat down myself and I just, I went back to work day in and day out on technique on everything I could focus on. And just, it was very humbling experience and it was, it was difficult for me, but it was something I, I needed to go through. And I, um, and I worked on progressing myself by the day and by the week. And you took so it out that, on West Virginia yeah. when you got back, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looks like that it. That poor West Virginia <laughs> defender, you, the like, first play of the game, you just took it all out on him. <laughs> uh, Connor, yeah. you're down in Florida training right now, right? Yes, sir. What's, uh, you know, what's been different? Because guys always talk about, obviously, in college, very early lifting. What, how has your regimen changed now that you're dedicating all of your time to training and, you know, obviously not games, but specifically just training? Are you doing anything different as you get ready for, obviously, the combine and the draft overall? <clears throat> of, of course, not having school and not having classes, you have so much more free time, which you can devote to recovery, to stretching to nutrition you can you can uh, be better at what you're putting in your body and so just all these aspects that you could control uh, to an extent in college but now your main focus and your main job is producing and producing at a high level and just making your body as best as it can and so being able to focus on that has been has been incredible to do so, so right after you declared, there was a great piece uh, on NFL.com that you wrote about, you know, growing up being bullied. And I, I remember sharing it with a lot of people kind of in our industry. And, and so many people were like, you just, you don't think about the fact that, that someone that size or someone who's that successful could have been bullied as a kid. And, and I even, a lot of my friends are teachers and I sent it to them was just like, you know, like, here's just a, another perspective for you guys. Cause you might not you might not think of this because I know I definitely didn't. So how how difficult or cathartic was that for you to to sit down and, and really like write an open letter, you know, to, hey, to the people who, you know, kind of motivated me to get here. Uh, and everyone should read that if they haven't. It's on NFL.com. But how how does that help you or, you know, does it just get everything off your chest kind of? Mm-hmm. Um, it was 
it was it was hard to do and it definitely brought back some memories and and I was nervous about doing it, but it's not about it's not about the bullying or poor me bullying. It's about an adversity story and and that's why I have on my Twitter and my Instagram we all have our story because I believe that we all have troubles and and things we go through in life that make us who we are and make us become who we are and the what defines us and so it, it was it was hard to do, but at the same time, if it can if it can hit a kid that's struggling through adversity right now and and pick them up off their feet and know they're that if you work hard and you and you set your mind to it, you can change and and you can uh, put yourself in a better situation than all to it. Connor, was there a point in time where you realized that there was a very good chance you were going to have a career in the NFL? Was it were you a late bloomer or were you a guy that you know late in high school you knew hey? I might be playing football for a long time. I'm sure as y'all know, I was a, I was a three-star recruit. So, yep. um, I, I didn't have the Alabama's or the, the biggest schools look at me, but, and I was thankful enough to get a late offer from Texas and a late offer from Ohio state to have, um, to have a good, a very good schools looking at me. And so going into college, I, um, I was being realistic with myself and I said, I looked at the numbers and the chances and probabilities of me actually playing in the NFL are very slim. And so going into college, it was about trying to make a difference for the football team and getting my degree. And that's why I went into uh, the university of Texas pursuing my degree in business. Yeah, yeah, that is, it is awesome to see, you know, guys who, you know, it's not like you come from nothing, but you come way under the radar and then to to get somewhere like Texas and, and be a, a starter as a freshman. So to be a three star recruit to starter as a, a true freshman, and a guy who you didn't give up a sack your first two years of college. So uh, it, it seemed to work out for you pretty well. All right, Matt, we uh, did we close out every interview this way. We, it's called the gauntlet. We ask you five questions and just have fun with it because the questions are ridiculous. So we know that in advance. Uh, the first question we ask everybody, uh, I'm not sure if you've listened before, but Connor and I are, uh, we like we like to sit back with some beers. So our first question for everybody is, what is your go-to uh, you know, beer or drink? Or I, I, And I said this to Malik because you guys are so young, but uh, what maybe what will you celebrate with after you're drafted? Uh, I'm 20 and the draft. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing. <laughs> yeah. So nothing. It's a warm, yeah, like a, pro- a nice big glass of milk, you know? Yeah. A protein shake right now while he's down in Florida. That's for <laughs> sure. Um, uh, n- number two, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Ooh, you're, you're already Hulk like, so <laughs> definitely, uh, being the flash with speed. There we go. I like, like Tyron Smith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one we've not heard before. All right. So what's the one game none of your friends can beat you at, whether it's like horseshoes or cornhole or Madden or whatever it might be? Ooh. Um, so growing up, I used to play Halo almost like, I, I mean, hours a day. There we go. It stuck with me. So I'm pretty good at Halo. That's, that's awesome. We haven't gotten that one yet. No, we haven't. That's a good one. We're going to now as we get more and more prospects, but that's a great one. All right, number four, stranded on a deserted island, who would you want to be stuck with? And the caveat here is you can't use a your girlfriend or a family member. You have to get a little creative with it. Oh, jeez. Uh, that's difficult. How would, how would Coach Herman be? 
<laughs> would he be a guy that would get you guys off the island, or you, you're stuck? You know, he definitely, he definitely take a solution to get us off the island. <laughs> Thinking one of the uh, survival survivalists on the uh, Discovery Channel. That's, yeah, like Bear Grylls. We get a yeah, yeah. We get a lot of those. Yeah, that's a good. All right, last question, and it's the most important one. We ask this to everybody on a hot dog. If you could only put ketchup or mustard, which one are you putting? Is it bratwurst or hot dog? See, that's that's a great point. It's a hot dog. Ketchup for hot dog, mustard for bratwurst. Okay, that's okay. acceptable. That's the I, well. I've been talking out. to like people it. about this, and yeah, we need to we need to be careful with how we phrase the question because I I prefer <laughs> brats and I like mustard uh-huh. on it. So it, you're a that's thinker. I, I like that about you. <laughs> All right, man. Connor, thank you so much, man. Best of luck training. We know you're going to kill it down there, and we're really excited for you what the future holds. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. We'll be back right after this. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us through what has been a marathon Stick to football. This actually might become the norm, honestly, just because it is it is draft season for everyone now or almost everyone because the playoffs are winding down. College football's over. So it, it has been a big show. Hopefully you guys had like a long drive or you're you know, this is somehow getting you through the day. But our buddy Kennedy is in Europe right now <laughs> trying out for <laughs> like pro volleyball teams. So it's uh, it's just us, man. So we're going to do draft on draft. Um, I can't wait for this in Mobile at the Senior Bowl because we're going to have so many fun questions and and hopefully we can even do a live show and get some some people interacting. Uh, but let's kick it off. Our buddy Connor Leahy on Instagram asked, what's one team that could shock people by taking a quarterback in the first round? Miami Dolphins at 11. Um, I think Adam Gase has to realize you can only survive so long with the bridge guys of the world. I don't know what they're expecting from Ryan Tannehill. For the long-term future, I like Tannehill's development. I'm not saying that he's not the guy or rule him out, but it just wouldn't shock me if the Dolphins say, hey, we got to buy ourselves some time. Maybe we go into the season with Tannehill as the starter, but we need a rookie on this roster to develop, and maybe that's your boy, Josh Allen. You never know. Ooh, I would actually like that fit. Mine, the New England Patriots, and maybe like smart fans are going to be like, ah, well, that kind of makes sense, but in the first round, I think it would surprise some people they traded away their two backup quarterbacks this year. Yep. Uh, and they were both solid. Right. Well, obviously, one's great. But yeah. I thought I thought uh, Jacoby has exceeded expectations. Given what's around him and how you know he came into that situation late, I absolutely agree. Uh, but New England, uh, whether they're picking at 32 or, or wherever, I've said all along, I think this is the spot for Mason Rudolph. He checks every box for what the Parcells rules the Belichick, like what he has done at quarterback by drafting guys, you know, seniors, big body, uh, accurate captains. Uh, I could see Mason Rudolph landing uh, again. It might be at 32. Maybe it maybe it's at 44 uh, where they have the Niners pick in the second round. But don't be shocked if New England goes quarterback. Yeah, then we're going to have to deal with Brady requesting they trade him again. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> nah, hopefully he'll be all right with this one. <laughs> All right, next one from Clay Ryan on Instagram. Keep sending us Instagram questions. We're loving the following. We're going to be posting film on the story. A lot coming to that during Senior Bowl. Can't guarantee it'll be all football, mostly beer. All right, this one from Clay. Do you think Jarrett Stidham made himself a lot of money by going back to Auburn? 
Ooh, I think the jury's still out there, but I think it was a good choice. What do you think, Matt? It was a good choice. I mean, it going back is smart. Also, just being like being healthy is probably what's most important for him. And and having a year where you know, we've talked before and people might think it's crazy, but like you need that, you kind of need that hype going into it a little bit. The thing I worry about is like here's a dude who started his career at Baylor and he transferred when everything went down there. He's going to be 22 when the season starts next year, so he'll be 23 as a rookie. And I know we said earlier in the show, like, oh, you don't worry about that. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not saying. I guess I should finish my thought. I'm not worried that he's going to be 23. I'm worried that he's going to be 23, and he hasn't played that much because he was kind of buried at Baylor, and then you know goes to Auburn. Play. He did play some JUCO ball, um, or yeah, he was at a JUCO, but didn't play. Yeah, he didn't play. That's yeah. the thing. You're so right, you're nail, hit the nail on the head. He's played like a year of football, and I know he flashed at times this year, but I'm just not. I'm not real high on Stidham, and maybe next year we'll change that, but. Just what what I have seen in the year he's played, it was like, oh, it's like this dude's a good athlete and he has a good arm, but yep. we just need to see so much more from him. Yeah, no doubt. Um, next one from Anthony at it's Anthony Bruh. Although the running back class is deep, as teams more are teams more inclined to wait in the later rounds to fit the Alvin Kamara model. So I don't ever think so. I don't think that I think the media and fans think like that, where it's like, oh, we'll just wait and get uh, Alvin Kamara in the fourth round or, or third round or Cream Hunt. If, if people knew those guys were going to be that good, they wouldn't have been there. So, yeah, the running back class is deep. And there there may be general managers who look across the board and say, okay, there are a lot of running backs, so we'll, we won't prioritize it in round one. You know, you'll that'll be like your tiebreaker when you set your, your board. But I don't know that teams go into the offseason and say, well, you can get Kareem Hunter, Alvin Kamara in the third round, so let's just wait. You know, like those were – those guys, they got lucky there. So, I – I think running backs have been devalued somewhat, so teams are going to wait, but it's not because of Alvin Kamara. Like, if Alvin Kamara changes anything, it's that teams want dual threats. Like, you want guys who can help in the pass game who also have the size to be good runners. Yeah, I think you nailed it. You look at Alvin Kamara's skill set and what he brings to the table, and that might put more of a premium on that kind of player. I think there's a lot of teams that have the regret of not pulling the trigger on Alvin Kamara in round two. And I think before Dalvin Cook got hurt, there was going to be a lot more teams that regretted not taking Dalvin Cook at the end of round one or the top of round two. I think you look at those kind of players and what they could do in space on their own is just game changing. It's as simple as that. What they could do as pass catchers, it's game changing. What the element and attitude they bring to the field. So I think that's going to increase the value of players like Obviously, maybe, you know, obviously Sony, Michelle and Ronald Jones, guys Saquon. like that. But but maybe, yeah. Oh, Saquon. I mean, a lock to go top 10 because of that. And I know people are really hesitant to take running backs around one. But Saquon is a guy that's special and he will go in the top 10. Yeah, he's yeah, he's shit. He should go top five. OK, uh, Roman Thomas Hoff. I always get the hard names. You always get the easy ones. That's right. <laughs> he, he's asking on Twitter, any chance the Browns draft Josh Allen if they sign a quarterback in free agency? Um, so yeah, I mean, anything's possible. So yeah, I don't, don't want to say no, right? Right. Um, you don't ever want, you know, like absolutes are insane. I would be surprised just because I know Deshaun Kaiser wasn't John Dorsey's guy. I would be surprised if they like, say they signed Kirk cousins and you have Deshaun Kaiser. I would be shocked if they spent a top five pick on a quarterback. If that's already your quarterback room, that would surprise me. So I guess it depends on the, the type of free agent they sign, you know, like if they sign, you know, if they trade for Alex Smith, yep, I'm not gonna. Josh Allen's not gonna be the pick. But if they sign 
Case Keenum, uh, maybe, you know, like, okay, you can maybe see something like that happen or if they, but I, I just think that's a lot of resources to allocate to your quarterback room. And I know it's the most important spot, but if they, if they sign a, a starter in free agency, I think that takes, that takes quarterback off the board early. Unless yeah, I got, like God, unless yeah. Dorsey just hates Deshaun Kaiser and it was like, we can't win with this kid. And it's, then it's like a Jimmy Clausen deal, you know, where it's like, Oh, you were a second round pick and you started for a year. And now we're going to draft Cam Newton. Yeah, if he's not his guy, maybe they just move on from Kaiser. I think they trade for Alex Smith and draft Sam Darnold first overall. That's my gut feeling. Oh, and just uh, get rid of just and just get Kaiser. rid of. Ky- I just have seen this song and dance so many times, and I just think that they'll be like, "Well, wasn't our decision." And you know, classic Hugh will be like, "Well, wasn't my decision." And then it's just like, "All right, Sam Darnold, Alex Smith, let's roll." All right, next one from Maxwell at Maxwell Shirt. See, I do get the easy names. You do. Can you help the Packers? <laughs> That's a great question. What do they need to compete for the Super Bowl? Are they wasting Aaron Rodgers? Man, Maxwell, I want to talk you off the ledge right now. Talk about morbid questions. Right, Can yeah. I help the Packers? <laughs> well, I don't think they listen to the show, but if they do, uh, yeah, we could definitely do fixing the Packers especially on stick to football Friday. What do they need to do to compete for the Super Bowl? Well, they've got a good start. You re-signed Corey Lindsley and Devontae Adams, two guys that I consider cornerstones for that offense around Aaron Rodgers. Yep. I like that they get moved on from capers. Listen, this defense has to change. I think they need to get a threat off the edge. I think they could use a little more talent in the secondary and at line, all over the place. Kenny Clark is great, but they need some talent all over the place on that defense. and They need to be better coached. Well, I think step one is keep Aaron Rodgers healthy. So however you do that, you know, get him on the Tom Brady stretching thing or the Russell Wilson nano bubbles or whatever it takes. Like that's step one. If, if Rodgers is healthy, you guys are a Super Bowl contender every year. Uh, I, like Connor said, I like the I like the foundation of this team. Um, I, I think you could probably improve at offensive guard, uh, not in the first round necessarily, but inside linebackers, a spot where especially if they do hire Vic Fangio, which like I said, we're recording Tuesday morning, so that's all up in the air. I, I think he would like more athleticism at inside linebacker, so maybe that's a spot for Rashawn Evans or or Malik Jefferson, but they have to get some speed there. Um, outside corner it is, I, I think they could definitely go there in the first round. They could go yeah. pick 14. They could go after someone like Josh Jackson. So they they just have to get better on defense and and get younger at wide receiver. You know, like Jordy and Randall Cobb, I don't know how much juice they have left, definitely want to keep Devonte Adams if they can. And then, you know, I would, I would kind of like they did last year at running back. They picked Jamal Williams in the fourth, Aaron Jones in the fifth, Devonte Mays in the seventh. I would just do that this year at receiver, like take your day two or day three picks, excuse me, and just get some receivers because you got a good shot of hitting on those guys. Yeah. See who jumps out from the pack. You got a quarterback that is literally the the best in the league. So just load up on receiver and see who jumps out from the pack. All right. Next one from at KMJ underscore zero four. The Eagles need offensive line help. Who might interest them in this draft? Well, the problem is they're going to be picking so late in the first round. That's right. Um, so you you get into a spot where it's like, you know, I don't think Connor Williams is going to be there. Um, maybe Orlando Brown. I know some teams are really high on him, and I'm just not. Uh, Mike so Mc- mixed. Yeah, yeah. May, like Mike McGlinchey's a right tackle, and you, you have Lane Johnson, who's a all-pro right tackle. So you're pretty set there. Uh, Okra four from Western Michigan. I think that as of now, that might be a slight reach. The dude I would keep an eye on is Colton Miller. Uh, I have a round two grade on him, but I've talked to people that think that he could really rise this year. Maybe like a Garrett Bull situation. Um, kid from UCLA came out early. He's he's probably the guy to watch right now. If if you wanted to go late first round, uh, 
man, it it's a deep. I actually like the depth of the, OTA, the offensive tackle class. There's just not two. You know, it feels like you're either reaching or you're waiting and hoping that like Desmond Harrison's there in the second round. I was going to say, right? Jones, you know, guys, like I can't that. wait to see Desmond Harrison down in Mobile because we have talked about him so much. And now we're just waiting to see like how much West Georgia do you really get to see? So it's interesting <laughs> to see how deep. Yeah. How deep is this class? All righty. Last one from Richard Royal at Richard underscore Royal, a very loyal listener. Why aren't there more lefty quarterbacks in the NFL? Who is the best lefty ever? Oh, Steve Young's the best lefty ever. That's that's got to be like the automatic answer, right? I don't know why there aren't more lefties. I I, I text less you, lefties in the world. Yeah, that's that's a good <laughs> point. I texted you this last game. night. I actually hate watching left-handed quarterbacks. Like it's just it's uncomfortable to me. I don't know why. I have I have to admit I was dying laughing. Tua comes in. And there was three. I didn't screenshot it. There was three tweets on my timeline in a row that all said something like a lefty gross. Oh, a lefty. I have to watch. Like they were all just furious yeah. that le- like it looks weird. I don't know Tua fucking rocked out. So good for him. He's a baller. But it was just really funny when the reactions to it. It's it is weird to watch. It's and just receivers unnatural. will t- NFL receivers will tell you it feels different. The ball coming out of their hands. Gosh, so. Yeah, it, and yeah, I mean, I'm the biggest Steve Young fan in the world. You know, Vic was a good lefty, but whew, t- yeah, Tim Tebow ruined it for me. And isn't Kellen Moore lefty? He probably helped I with that. Think so. Yeah. Uh, if my favorite it, lefty is our buddy Chris Sims. That's my favorite. Oh, lefty. I forget he's a lefty. Yeah, yeah. he's a lefty. But yeah, I, yeah. So you got to love the uh, the awkward lefty delivery of quarterbacks. <laughs> but man, that was a marathon today. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was. We got, hey, listen, we're not slowing down. You guys are on Friday again, correct? That's right. Yeah. And gonna... just for everyone's radar, the week of Senior Bowl week, we are on 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and I think the 20. So we're on at least four times. Yeah, we're on basically week. every day. So just subscribe. We can't say it enough. Subscribe to the show so it automatically downloads for you every day. Yeah, and it is. It's going to be. Like this is our time of year. You know, it, it really is where, you know, we're, like next week we're going to do a mock draft and we're going to have great guests on for you guys. We are going to load up at the Senior Bowl. Like I spent the weekend like making content plans for the Senior Bowl and it was like, we're doing like seven shows in five days. So it, they're not all going to be an hour and a half like this one. And video. <laughs> and <laughs> video. Interviews. And yeah. And so make sure you're following uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, at Stick to Football. Um, get the BR app. Subscribe to the NFL Draft channel because that you're never going to miss anything that way. Subscribe to the Stick to Football channel. You'll get updates when any of our content comes out. So we can't we can't stress it enough that that if you if you don't want to miss anything at all, that's the the best way to do it is to to hop in and subscribe in those spots. So man, uh, go rest your voice. We're, we're both going to need it after this. <laughs> You ain't wrong. I got a couple of shows to fill on later in this week, too. So it's going to be a long one, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, can't wait to be back next week for episode 41. We are going to have a long season ahead of us. So don't miss anything. Like Matt said, subscribe to all the channels. Leave us a review. Leave us a question and we will catch you next week.